0: coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. We are at episode number 44 and I am really, really excited today to have on a fellow Charger from Briarcliff. When we were there it was Briarcliff College, uh, but both veterans of Toller Hall. Uh, Bruce Chubbick, the boys basketball coach at uh, Omaha South high school. But before we get to it with Coach Chubbick here, we of course want to thank our sponsor for our podcast, Kosak Chiropractic, located at 14450 Eagle Run Drive, which is just off of 144th and Maple here in Omaha. Uh, coaches, if you or any of your athletes are struggling with balance, neck, or spinal issues, have, go in and see Dr. Kevin at Dr. Heidi and Dr. Heidi at Kosak Chiropractic. Uh, I went in there last week. Uh, Dr. Kevin hit me pretty good, and, and I've been feeling like a million bucks ever since. So uh, if you would like to look up their practice, go to kosakchiro.com, K-O-S-A-K-C-H-I-R-O.com, or give them a call at 402-964-0300. Uh, follow us on Twitter at A pen and A Napkin. We try to have daily coaching tidbits on A pen and A Napkin, so be sure to follow us there. I just put on a little while ago a great video, a TED Talk on positionless basketball, or different, I'm sorry, not positionless basketball, but different positions and how we need to rename positions in basketball. Uh, So that was really good. I really liked it. Obviously, if you're listening, you're on SoundCloud or iTunes, uh, so be sure to like, rate, review, uh, give us five stars, subscribe, forward this out to as many coaches as we can. We want to help them hone their craft. And, of course, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email us at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Like I said, a fellow Briarcliff Charger here on the podcast today, Coach Bruce Chubbick from Omaha South High School. Coach, how are you doing today? Doing good, Marty. Nice to be on with you. Well, I'm excited to have you on here. Um, you know, I uh, you know, folks usually fall into two categories uh, on this pod: people I know and people I don't know. Pretty simple. And 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 we've never talked, I don't believe, uh, before uh, today. So I did a lot of research on you and. My goodness gracious you are a, you are a fascinating man coach uh, you have you have you have you have lived life uh, I will definitely say that so um, as we get going here I guess we'll just kind of start off the way we normally do for for, for the folks that don't know uh, a, a whole lot about uh, yourself go ahead and, and kind of tell them about your your coaching journey your basketball journey and and how you have ended up uh, into your fifth decade in the game here. Uh, and and as and as excited and as energetic as as ever uh, to keep that passion for the game going. Just just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself, coach, and your basketball journey.
1: Well, it probably take uh, pretty much
0: your whole podcast. Time <laughs> to, give, give us the cliff notes version. How about that? It's been it's been
1: an interesting journey. It's been a lot of fun. And I'm getting toward the end of it, and I know that. I mean, this is fifty years or so into the career so I mean you know it's, it's getting down to the nitty gritty here but yep. I actually started coaching uh, in college back then we did what was called work study and you got paid for doing a job well my job was at Southwest Community College in Creston and
0: at Briarcliff in Sioux City to coach Junior high kids. Okay. So I spent uh, two years at Creston
1: coaching their junior high kids, and then up at uh, Briarcliff, I coached the Immaculate Conception kids in football, basketball, and track. So I came out of college actually with five years of coaching experience. Um, I started off uh, my high school career at Omaha Tech. Coaching with uh, Gene Haynes, the legendary Jane Haynes, and uh, spent one year with him. And then the girls' job opened up, the varsity girls' job. And I took that and spent four or five years with the ladies at Omaha Tech. And, um, you know, it's just kind of been, I've been from the inner city to the
0: sand hills, to the bean fields, to the corn
1: fields, and back to the <laughs> inner
0: city. So <laughs> it's, it's been real interesting. Yes, uh, the, the multiple stops along the way, uh, you know, smaller schools, and in, in Omaha South is far and away the biggest school that you've been at. Um, mm-hmm. you, you decided, and, and this has been, you know, discussed multiple times, but for our listeners, if you could kind of go into it a little bit, uh, you decide in the early 80s to, to take a couple of years and escape, I guess would be, uh, to, to retreat to the mountains of, of Montana, uh, kind of what was the impetus for that? What kind of made you decide to take the family out there and, and, uh, basically kind of live off, we call it today, living off the grid, I guess, uh, living off the yeah, grid for a couple were, of years. No, we
1: were definitely off the
0: grid. No, <laughs> uh, no power, no, uh, telephone. I mean, we piped water into the cabin that we built while we were up there.
1: Our youngest boy had a brain tumor, a two-year-old boy, and we kind of went through a lot with him. And we just kind of decided that it was uh, time to take a break.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: we spent two years in the backcountry in Montana in the mountains. And, um, Bruce, our oldest boy, I mean, he was 11 or
2: 12 at the time and um it was two good years but i wouldn't want to go do it again i mean it was really (laughs) hard (laughs) us old guys we can't can't do that stuff but back then it
1: was uh it was pretty tough but it was very enjoyable i mean biggest decision i had to make some days was what book i was gonna read or you know what i was gonna gonna do uh
0: occupied Uh uh-huh uh between you and your wife whose idea was it oh mine definitely (laughs) how did you you pitch this (laughs) (laughs) How, how did you pitch it because i i think every male coach on here is kind of curious if you can talk your wife into uh moving off the grid uh what what you know, the, the the Jedi mind tricks that you may have used to, to do that. I think you, you, I, you might have cracked a code there, Coach. Well,
1: I think she's always went along with the stupid crap that I come up with. Uh, although, like I said, I wouldn't trade that for anything. I wouldn't go back and do it. But, I mean, you were pretty much isolated for six months out of the year. Mm-hmm. The only way out was a snowmobile or cross-country skis. But... Mm-hmm. I always thought that had a lot to do with uh, you know our son
2: Bruce and uh, you know had a great basketball career, college and professional.
1: And I thought that hardened him. I thought that toughened him up. And you know that
2: mental toughness, I think that had a lot to do with it for him. hmm
0: Yeah, basketball was uh, probably a pretty easy thing after after that experience for him.
1: Yeah. Well, the first thing we put up when we. Before we even got the cabin built, was uh, we put up a hoop. For him. Uh-huh. he used to love uh, jumping off the snow drifts. And dunking. of course, he was eleven years old. It wasn't long where he didn't need a snow drift.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I, I remember watching him in, in college when he was at Nebraska. I was in high school at the time, and you know they had some really really good teams there with with Danny Knee, and and uh, uh, you know he was a really fun player to watch. Um, yeah,
1: blue blue collar. He's what Midwest folks are about, in my opinion. About you know good work ethic and and being a team person. Mm-hmm. I think that's why the fans you know held him in regard like they did is because he he pretty much uh, was the values that that you know Midwest people possess.
0: Yep. Um, what was the uh what was the greatest uh, benefit of of this two year um, journey that your family went on? You know, looking back on it, and obviously you have great perspective on it now. It's it's been a, a long time since you've done it, but looking back on it, what was what was the thing? What was the thing that you cherished the most from that?
1: Well, the amazing things we didn't kill each other, <laughs> come in a cabin for six months, but. Uh, you know, you got to know your kids really well. I mean, yeah, I mean, it was a bonding thing, and um, I don't know. I got a chance to kind of put together what you know the rest of my life. I thought kind of a plan for, mm-hmm. but probably my son had a lot to do with that because he told me, you know, he goes, "I want to play ball." And you want to coach a state championship team, so we need to go back to civilization. He was right, and that's what we did. Thankfully, that's how it worked
0: out. Yeah, it definitely did. Uh, Speaking of your son, you you, uh, not only have the privilege of of coaching him to a uh, to a state championship while he was in high school. It was 1988, I believe. Right? Uh, Correct. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, Exactly, Marty. Um, But then you know, over the last few years, uh, he's been on your staff with you um and and i'm kind of getting into that a little bit my oldest uh, will be a a junior at nebraska and and he's kind of one he's kind of got the the bug a little bit uh what what has that been like for you uh having your son uh alongside with you on tuesday and friday nights and 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 every day at practice uh what's that been like for you guys and, and your relationship and and just how special has that been
1: well, it's I'm really lucky because I know there's a lot of guys my age. I'll be 69 in two days.
0: Oh, happy and early birthday. Hard,
1: well, yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> um, he, uh, I mean, he he's such a, I don't know, a mark for parents is when your kids are better people than you are, you did a pretty good job. And I think I think we can be pretty safe in saying that You know, we did a pretty good job with him because he's a really good person, Mm -hmm. works with kids great. Uh, I'm really lucky. I mean, I get to see him every day, Uh, and it's not just in November through March. I mean, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you know, we're going at it every day. I just left him and the boys from the gym here a little while ago, so um, it's really special. I mean, he's been with me. Ten years, and I don't think it's ironic. We've been to state nine out of the ten
2: years, been
1: <laughs> in the championship, four out of five years. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think that's any. Uh, I, I don't think it's by chance. I, I think he's had a lot to do with it.
0: What What are his greatest strengths as a coach? Oh, no, he's pretty compassionate, and uh, you know, we kind of get to be the. Good cop, bad cop. And
1: of course, I get to be the bad cop. I always have been. So. And he gets to be the good cop and, and comfort the kids when I chew their butt, you know, get into them a little bit. But, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's really smart about the game, too. Uh, the plan is when I step down that he takes
2: over, and I think the kids will be in really good hands when that happens. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Sounds like it. Sounds like it. Um, another fascinating story that I read about was it, you, you had a just a, a hell of a team in twenty twenty sixteen that that ended up winning the state championship. You kind of tongue in cheek said, you know, anybody could have coached this team. You know, I just happened to be the guy in charge. Was you know basically one of the quotes that you put out there. Uh, but a, a subplot of that season was you you had a a, a game. Um, where you were having essentially a, a, a heart attack during the game, or even before the game, and and you chose to coach, and then you went to the hospital after the game uh, was completed, and then you had a procedure done, and you were back on the sideline by the next game on a on a Friday night. Uh, what was the what was the that experience like? Uh, what was the driving force? What was kind of going through your head through all that?
1: Well, I mean, it probably wasn't. Most intelligent thing.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's a lot of people who have told me that since. So I don't know. I mean, it's a competitive thing. Uh-huh. I. It was at Lincoln Southeast on a Tuesday night. I had had chest pains during the day and actually pulled into the emergent care uh, parking lot and thought about going in and having them check me out because I, I taught anatomy for 30 years, so I pretty much. Had an idea of what was going on.
2: And yeah.
1: I got ready to get out of my truck and I got my foot on the ground and I thought, you know, if I go in there, I'm not coaching tonight. So I put the <laughs> foot back in the truck and went to school, got on the bus, and as the game went, it got worse. And, and uh, But I don't know, I used it at halftime. We were playing Southeast and I think we were, we played terrible first half. And I finally, you know, said to him, I said, you know, if I can coach with a heart attack, you guys that have (laughs) sniffles and this and that, you can play a hell of a lot better than you're playing. They come out and just just kick southeast butt the second half, and then I went to the hospital and had two stents put in the next morning, which would have been Wednesday, and I don't think we played till Saturday. Uh We played Brian, and and I was back on the bench. Friday coaching, and then I uh, coached the game on Saturday.
0: Did Did you have even one player come up to you and say, "You know, Coach, we thought you were joking about the whole heart attack thing," uh, but yeah, you were you were serious. No, they knew. <laughs> they knew. I mean, it was like a piano on my chest. I mean, but
2: you know, it was. I don't know. That's where the competitive stuff takes over. I mean, the adrenaline gets going. Yep.
1: And you just kind of you do what you got to do. I mean,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, we ask the kids to tough things out sometimes, so you know, we're not going to lead by example.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's a that's a heck of an example to 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 have, Coach. And uh, speaking of of uh, examples, I love this quote from you. Uh, you, you were uh, and, and rightfully so. Uh, I believe this came from the Journal Star in, in twenty nineteen. And I love this quote from you. Um, you. You said, after all the years I've been coaching, if I can tell you off the top of my head what my record is, I'm not focused on the things I should be focused on. Um, you know, where did that come from? I love that quote. And that, that is the essence of, of what a high school coach should be. Uh, is that something that took, took some time to develop in your career? or Was that always kind of, it's always been about the kids first, and I'm not worried about wins and losses. I want to win. I'm competitive as, as as all get out, but but it's not about my total wins or all these other things. It's about the experiences, that type of stuff.
1: No, and that's that's, that's correct. I mean, I've been doing this 50 years. and If I know what my – I don't think Stu Pastafel like that very good, but <laughs> – Hey, Sue, deal with it, but, you know, if, if you know what you've won and what you've lost, and, and, I mean, crying out loud, you're not thinking about the right things. I mean, I, I guess the joy I get, it. I mean, winning is great, I mean, don't get me wrong, but
2: yeah.
1: seeing the kids go on and succeed in life and be good citizens and I mean, to me, that's what it's about. You, you don't know what you've done until maybe eight or nine years after the kids have left your program. Mm-hmm. But, and, and what we want to do, what I've always wanted to do, is give kids opportunity. I mean, especially where I'm at now, a lot of our kids at
2: South, if they don't get some kind of a scholarship, I mean, they're not going to school. I mean, uh-huh.
1: it's just not happening financially and to see the kids have opportunity, and you know what they do with that's up to them too. I mean, yeah. all we can do is is give them a chance, and that's what I always tell our players: is I owe you nothing; I owe you opportunity. What you do with that's up to you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I think that's the way to handle it. I really do.
0: Yeah. Well, you are you are uh, definitely in a unique. Situation and and one of the big reasons we talked about this uh, before we before we started, Uh, you know the the country uh, it's been a crazy year and and then we and and then and then we have the 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 civil unrest over the last you know four to six weeks or so uh, because of the the George Floyd uh, death in Minneapolis uh, the Breonna Taylor. All of you know all of these events. Uh, Ahmad Arbery, Arbery, excuse me, I, I think I'm saying that wrong. But uh, the the shooting of the the young man right. in in Atlanta, um, and, and we've you know you you know just well as I do, Coach. Omaha has been a little bit of a powder keg. We had the uh, the disturbances about a month ago, and we had the the death of a young man uh, in the Old Market, uh, shot by a bar owner, and, and all right. of these all of these right. things. Um, and and I. And I kind of wanted to to wait till things had settled down a little bit, but I, I wanted to bring somebody on uh, to talk about uh, helping young men, especially young men of of color and and from diverse backgrounds, and 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 how uh, we need to do better as high school coaches, and 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 to uh, to help these kids, whether they're men or women, or, or male or female players for us to uh, to understand where they're coming from uh, to, to see the world through their lens and and to uh, work with them and, and, and help them uh, make the world a better place and and have them help us make us make the world a better place you know kind of work together um, and and for those for the folks that don't know about your situation uh, Omaha South is is a really culturally diverse school it's uh, obviously in south omaha uh you have a, a large uh, hispanic population you have a large uh sudanese population um it, it is really uh we're not a very diverse region for sure uh but you probably have one of the most diverse schools uh within a uh, 150 mile radius wouldn't you say coach yeah, I would, except I don't know how diverse
2: we are. Uh, our basketball team, we're mostly black. Uh-huh. I mean, most well, of our th- kids are black kids, African American kids. Uh-huh. In fact, uh, I think we had three,
1: three white kids last year that played for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were coming out last summer, a year ago, out of the gym over at Bell West and Chucky e. Hepburn said, I mean, he goes coach you got some white kids and they can actually play <laughs> so, I mean <laughs> and I said
2: yeah they can play yeah and uh, I mean
0: I don't know I, yeah. like I said I've been to the
1: cornfields the sand hills the suburban the inner city you know kids yeah. are kids absolutely I mean it, I don't know it's yeah. just crazy times I mean I look at the Young man up in Minneapolis where the police, you know, pretty much, you know, killed him, I guess. I yeah. mean, if you look at it. And I thought, you know, if that was a German shepherd that that police officer had his knee on his neck killing the dog, how people would have reacted and been tackling the officer that did it and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we're not talking about dog. We're talking
2: about another human. Mm-hmm. I mean, where are we at as a society? I mean, it really, it's scary. Yeah.
1: It, it really is. I'd like to come back, uh, have them resurrect me in 50 years and see where we're at because I think it would be a lot better place than we are right now. Do,
0: do you feel like, Do you feel like this is a turning point in our country? I do because the
2: white folks are getting involved now. Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: before, you know, the Black Lives Matter was pretty much a black movement, an African-American movement. now, you know, people are stepping up and doing what should have been done 50 years ago.
2: Mm-hmm. And, you know, people are people. I mean, yep. we get all these crazy ideas. Uh, you know, there's some cultural differences. I mean, mine's not the black experience. i you know, mm-hmm. since 1974, you know, coached a lot of black kids, you know, boys
1: and girls. But, I mean, I don't know. I'd like to see people start looking at people as people and not have to pigeonhole them into, you know, you know black, white, brown. Whatever. Get rid of the labels. I mean, yeah. yeah, that's a long ways to go. I think, like I said, 50 years from now. That probably won't be the case, but you know it is what it is now. And I tell our players, you know, we've come a long way, but don't kid yourself—you got a long ways to go. And I truly believe that. What uh,
0: you know, have you have you talked uh, in the last few weeks? Uh, have you talked to your to your players about uh, what's happened here in the last four to six weeks? Um, and what have those conversations been like?
1: Actually, all we talk about is ball, but <laughs> I mean, yeah.
2: we've only been going this week. I mean, OPS yeah. is a little bit behind the curve on
1: letting us work with our players. But,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, Marty, I've had conversations with kids about, you know, if you get stopped in the car, about how you handle things, about, you know, keep your hands on the steering wheel, don't grab or anything, don't be drunk. You know, I've had to tell kids that and that's that's kind of a shame that you know, that's how it is, but really that's how it is. I mean (laughs) a funny thing, Khalil Walker, I don't know if
0: you remember him, he played for me on the sixteen team. Yeah, okay, yeah, I remember the name, definitely. Oh man a
2: stud. I mean Mm -hmm. one of the best players I've had in fifty years, but
1: he's driving around in a car with he's got no driver's license. He's got a car full of kids. At night, he's got no insurance. I said, "Cool, come, come on now. What could be bad? What could happen with this scenario here?" <laughs> and so I went through the routine with him about you know if something happens, you you know you need to you need to take care.
0: You need to know what what's going on. Mm-hmm. Is that are are you almost when uh, when you have to have the, or when you've had those conversations with your kids? um are you almost uh Im- I, don't, I don't know if embarrassed is the right word to describe it coach but maybe a little bit of shame that that in in 2016 and 2020 these are the conversations that we have that we that we feel like we need to advise our kids about um you know especially in a situation like yours
2: right well uh,
1: i would say a shame that that's the things you have to tell kids. But I'm sure there's a lot of black parents that are doing the same thing, you know, warning kids about, you know, about how you got to respond when when things happen. I mean, it, it's too bad that that's how it is, but that's how it is for now. Mm-hmm. But I think that's going to change. I, I see the young folks now getting involved, and especially the young white folks. I think that's going to make a big difference to the... Whole thing. They're going to put a lot of pressure on these old white legislators and people that you know been brought up with these screwy ideas about racial equality. It, it's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm.
2: What what
0: are what are some of the things that, that you've learned from your African American players uh, that that has helped make you a better person or perhaps more aware? of what's going on in their world
1: well i can relate to a lot of the kids i mean a lot of our kids come from you know not a whole lot of resources and when i was a kid i remember you know my mom trying to keep the lights on and the gas on and the water on Mm -hmm. and you know i seen that side of it so it kind of gives me a little bit of a Understanding about what it's like to to do without things, and of course, my wife and I got married right out of high school, and had a Bruce, and we went through college that way, so we for sure know what it's like <laughs> to, to do without. You know, yeah. So it's been interesting. Yeah. Um, what
0: are what are some of the things? You know, you are you, like you said, you've you've been doing this for a long, long time. Uh, what are some words of advice that, that you would have for for young coaches uh, to help uh, mo- keep keep this situation moving forward? I mean, in my lifetime, uh, we we had certain situations rise up. You know, most notably uh, like the Rodney King uh, incident in the in the yeah, early nineties. So like, yeah. But yeah, but you know, that was so localized in Los Angeles, and and this is you know this is. You know, I'm a history teacher, so I see in my eyes this has a lot to uh, a lot of similarities to 1966, 1967, 1968, where you've got stuff going on all over the country. It just happened all at once. I mean, we, we took all those three years and basically uh, bottled it up into about, you know, 10 to 14 days of, of anger and protest and, and that type of thing. Uh, but, but what would be advice that you could give? To to young coaches and to, to coaches in general to to continue to to help our 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 players um, through this time period and to help them grow and to help them achieve their goals of racial equality of a of a police uh, of a police force that is more um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for here is uh, you know not as judgmental. Of, of people of color and things like that, you know, how can uh, what would be pieces of advice that you could give to, to folks? Well,
1: I mean, like I said, kids are kids. It doesn't matter if they come from the sand hills, the suburban schools, the inner city, mm-hmm. bean fields in Iowa, cornfields in Iowa, which, which I live in both of those.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, kids are kids. I just think that.
1: I don't know if you see them any different than that, then you're probably in the wrong business. That's... Yeah, that's,
0: that's a great point. Sure. I mean, that's a great point. Uh,
1: I don't know. I you know, We've kicked the can down the road with the racial equality stuff for a long, long time. I mean, 63 or 64 when, when they come up with the Civil Rights Bill. Yep. I mean, we've come away since then, but... I think it's going to be exciting to see what happens in the next couple of years because, like I said, and, and coaches need to get involved in this too. Is that you know you you
2: see a diversity in the movement now, which you
1: didn't before. I mean, back in the, the sixties and stuff, it was pretty much just black folks, but you see. Mm-hmm. Pretty much everybody involved now. I think it's exciting times for our society. I think coaches, you know, you know, if I'm coaching at uh, Trainer, Iowa, Glenwood, Iowa, Ashland, Nebraska, you know, I probably don't have a lot of diversity. But mm-hmm. I would say, you know, you need, I don't know, the, those players, they look and, and see who the dominant players are and it's pretty much a black man's game still, I, I think, in my opinion. I mean, there's still some really, really good white players, too. But making them sensitive to, to the cultures, the different cultures and everything, I, it, there's some exciting times coming.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, and I think we're all going to be better uh, because of it. I, I think that, um, you know, my kids are – I have a senior and a junior in high school and, and, a, and a son in college – and and they're they're ready to go out and change the world i think and 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 through this this great tragedy of of these last few weeks uh hopefully uh we we have a a great um uprising of a positive uh change and influence that comes out of it and and the uh, the dreams of of the nineteen fifties and sixties start to become that reality that uh, the folks of that time period, uh, you know, wanted to see happen. But now we're all aware of it, and, and we, I don't want to say we haven't been aware of it. We've been aware of it, but now the action is taking place, and right. and, and 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 I think that's the that's the most exciting thing about it.
1: Yeah, and I I agree with that one hundred percent. I. I look forward. I hope I'm still vertical when you know people can look at people and judge them for the kind of person they are instead of you know physical characteristics,
0: what colors yeah. your
1: skin. I mean, yeah. and things like
0: that. The color That's, of your hair, the you know, right, you know, right, all, all of those right. things. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I think we'll always have you know things that we group. People in you know he's tall he's short he's fat he's skinny mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah. and, and I think you know black is he white I mean I think that's but seeing him as fellow human beings that's that's the key yes is that we're all human and and I don't know they're talking about reparations and stuff like that I, I'd like to see him go two years to two generations of uh, African-American descendants that weren't slavery given a free college.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I mean, free college, free undergraduate, free graduate, free medical school. For for two generations, just even the
0: playing field. Yep. That, you know, as you and I, we're both educators, and and education is the, that levels the playing field. That's what we talk about every
1: day in practice. I mean, it's not just, just about the hoops it's about hey how are you doing in school what are you getting at that i mean the nice thing about this last year's team was that eight out of the ten guys
2: at student varsity were honor students oh awesome so, yeah and i mean that's the key for,
1: for for our kids is to you know let basketball take you where it's going to take and hopefully it gets you an education and Mm-hmm. and gives you a chance to have a really good life and be a productive citizen.
0: Yep, absolutely. Well, Coach, we're going to move on here. Uh, approximately halfway through our pods, we, we have our, our Don Meyer quote of the day. And uh, so today's Don Meyer quote, and if you want to comment on it after, after I get done rattling it off here, um, Don Meyer quote of the day is, You have to learn things in every game because you are not going to be able to practice two and a half hours a day during the season. So games have to be the ultimate learning experience. Well, Don Meyer was a pretty smart guy.
1: In fact, (laughs) I've got two VHS uh, uh, coaching clinic tapes of his in a box somewhere out in my garage. So (laughs) if he says it, I believe it. how do you argue with the success he had? I mean, I need to dig those tapes out. He had a lot of good stuff. There's, there's you know, some things, uh, no matter what, still are good things.
0: Yeah, yeah, there's there's no reason to reinvent the wheel there. And, and uh, Exactly. I, uh, on my Twitter account, somebody put a Don Meyer VHS tape. You know, how many of you have one of those? And I retweeted it, so... I I just did that in the last 24 hours. (laughs) (laughs) I took all of mine and and transferred them over to DVD. So, uh, but it's old school DVD. It's not Blu-ray. So I got to hold on to the old school DVD player so I could still play them. So that that, that was one of my projects during the quarantine was to go through all of those while I was getting lesson plans done and grading papers and and stuff like that. So if I, you know, for for my uh, the parents of my students that might be listening to this—if I miss some grammar mistakes on your kids' papers—blame Don Meyer. That's his fault. So, <laughs> um, so let's get into some some coaching philosophy stuff here. Uh, and uh, you know, one of the things I was really impressed with, uh, Coach, was your ability to rebuild programs. I mean, you went to you went to West Hole, You were in. Uh, Southwest Iowa at a couple different stops. You you rebuilt Omaha South into a perennial powerhouse. Um, is, is there a blueprint? Uh, okay, we're going to do, you know, kind of Bill Parcells had his blueprint that he carried with him. And obviously professional football is different than high school basketball. But uh, what was the idea? What were the concepts? What did you do to rebuild those programs every single step along the way? I mean, uh, you seem to be the maestro of it.
1: Well, I don't know about that, but I, I do have a, a philosophy I live by, which is, you know, you've got to coach to the talent that you have available. That's the first thing. I mean, I took over at Abraham Lincoln, which I graduated from Yale in 1969, and
2: they had like 33 years of non-winning basketball,
1: and I come in and got the job. And I started looking at the tapes of the team the year before. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty obvious that Coach was a big Rick Pitino fan. In fact, they had Kentucky uniforms and all
2: that. Mm-hmm. Well, they were trying to run and gun and, and press with kids that couldn't do it, that physically didn't have the ability to do it. Mm-hmm.
1: And so they only won uh, three or four games that season. And, I mean... I guess the the coaching thing to me is to coach your personality, number one, and coach, to the available talent that you have at that particular time. And anyway, they tried to run and go, and they didn't have the kids to do it. Well, the next year, we got those kids, and I think we won 13 or 14 games, uh, playing the way they should have been playing, which was – a little bit deliberate and pick and choose when you press and, and but you do have to coach to your your personality I mean I remember Tom Davis at Iowa
2: I love watching his teams play oh, yeah. they come out and press uh, you know
1: they were 94 feet for 40 minutes and You know, they give up a lot of layups. and used to drive me crazy watching them. (laughs) They were fun to watch. Yeah. But that wasn't my personality. I don't like giving up layups. And so, you know, most of the time, uh, the presses that we run to this day, I mean, and the kind of defense that we play is predicated on not giving up layups. High school basketball is layups and free throws. If you get a lot of layups and you get a lot of free throws and you don't give up a lot of layups and you don't give a lot of free throws, you win a lot of games. Mm-hmm. And that's that's pretty much been my philosophy through through the years.
0: What uh, What are some other things that you, that you may have uh, uh, done to to move these programs forward on, on a consistent basis? Uh, is, is it, uh, you know, skill development? Is it, is it a, an attitude of, of toughness or what are some other things that you, that you feel like you, you've been really consistent with bringing to the table there in, in rebuilding these programs?
1: Well, we're not Omaha Central or, uh, Miller North or anything like that. I mean, the kids, that we get are kids that you have to develop. It. So, you know, the fundamentals are huge as far as developing kids and getting them to be able to shoot, pass, catch, dribble, shoot. I'll say shoot again because it's <laughs> you got to be able to put the ball in the hole. And you know, that's that's the fundamental thing is really huge. But but here's the thing, and I can't teach this, and I can't tell you how to do it I wish I could because I'd be a millionaire if I could
2: (laughs) is you gotta have vision for what the kids that you're
1: coaching you gotta have a vision for them of what they potentially can be if they do what you ask them to do and I don't know how I can't teach that I don't know how to tell other coaches to do that but you gotta see what kids can be down the road and there's no way to tell you how to do it. You can either do it or you can't. And I guess I've been blessed that, you know, I've always had a vision for kids, what they, what they potentially could be and be as a team and as individuals. And I don't know how you do that. I wish I
2: could. (laughs) I could use, I could use the
0: money right now. (laughs) Um, you know, how do you communicate that vision? I mean, is it, you know, you, you put your arm around Jimmy and say, hey, you know, Jimmy, doggone it, I think you can do this. Or, or is it, you know, a, a, a team setting uh, where, where you're talking in front of the team and it's that constant message that way? Is it a little bit of everything? Is it, uh, you know, in our, you know, in the last 10 years or so, is it, a, is it a text message to pick a kid up every once in a while? I mean, you know, what are some ways that you communicate that vision for those individual players and then to, to the team as a whole? Well, it's a
1: little bit of both. I mean, on an individual basis, you know, we'll take kids aside and say, hey, you know, you got a lot of potential. This is what you need to do. We need the weights. We need, you know, this. We need that. And we do a lot of talking to the team. You know, like two years ago, when well, we won the state championship, there's nobody in the state of Nebraska who thought we'd win the state championship. Mm-hmm. But in all honesty, we had talked about the whole time preparing in the offseason from the summer to the fall to when that season actually started about playing on March 13th, which was the championship night. We're going to play on March 13th, and that was the goal.
2: Mm-hmm. So as we built through the off season
1: and into the season was that we play on March thirteenth, six thirty in Pinnacle Back Arena. And that was the vision. That mm-hmm. was the vision that we gave to the to the kids. They'll all tell you. every kid on that team will
2: tell you that was the the blueprint. That was the vision that we saw for for them. And mm-hmm. You know, this past year, we got beat by, in the semifinals, we did Central in the
1: first round, and got beat by Millard north and I actually thought our kids did ever, I,
2: I thought they did as well as they could have done, mm-hmm. you know, with all the things considered. So, yeah. and that was part of the vision.
1: It wasn't to get to the championship game last year, it was get to the tournament, let's see what happens.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, you kinda ran into a, you know ran into a buzzsaw in that semifinal game against against well, Miller North there and
1: we were ahead by four at halftime, but here's the problem, is they were ten for twelve in the field the third quarter. They were three for three from three and seven for seven from the free throw line. I can tell you this. I mean I got a Identic memory When it comes to Basketball <laughs> stats and, 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 and We had five
2: turnovers That led directly To, to Scores from them mm-hmm. So We were up three uh, We end up down 17 We end up losing the game 59 to 80 So we got beat by 21 So the third quarter Was a 20
1: point turnaround I mean yeah. We just Totally impl- imploded In the third quarter Yeah Which Which
0: which I still say that I thought our kids did exactly what we thought they could do, yeah you, you played 24 very good minutes, but in the state semifinals, and especially a team with that depth and talent and athleticism, you got to play 32 really, really good minutes, you know oh, for sure yeah. I mean that's the best collection of athletes. I don't say it's the
2: best team well, Bell, uh, <laughs> Bell West proved who the best team was, mm-hmm that's the best collection
1: of the athletes I've seen in the Metro League since
2: you know you gotta go back to you know Kellogg and Lazaretti and all those guys back Matt Trotter mm-hmm.
1: um, I mean that's that he's got the best collection on a team I've seen
2: mm-hmm. so I mean <laughs> it just goes to show the the best best uh, players don't always win it's the best team and, and yep. a lot of
1: times that's how it works
0: out yep Absolutely. Um, what uh, what's your guys' philosophy, or what's your philosophy on developing your players in the offseason? Uh, how do you structure things? Uh, you, you talked about how you know we've got to develop our kids from ninth grade through you know all four years. Uh, how do you guys how do you guys put that together? Uh, how do you tailor it to your kids? What do you look for that type of thing?
1: Well right now the crazy situation we're dealing with now i mean we got no weight room we work for we've got 60 minutes to work with our kids they got to have their own ball we can't work in groups i mean right now it's crazy times but normally you know we the weight room is really really important for us the kids that we get is we've got to make them bigger, stronger, faster. I mean, that's that's really huge for us. And it's good for those kids that come into our program because if they think they're going to play college ball, they better love the weight room because mm. that's a big part of the, the equation right now. But um, yeah, that skill development, we want the kids. We do tons of shooting. I mean, Obviously, you've got to be able to stop the other team, which were part of our uh, philosophy is defense-heavy. But you still got to be able to put the ball in the hole. So we do uh, tons of shooting. Our practice is you know, just about half shooting practice uh, during the season. Out of season, with 3-4 shooting. That's mm-hmm. about all we do.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, do you... Do you have a like a philosophy on uh, you know kind of the modern you know getting to the rim and and, and hitting the threes or getting to the free throw line? Um, are you guys emphasizing that? Or are you just saying, hey, shoot shots within your range, uh, and then we'll 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 figure it out from there. Uh, play to your strengths. You know what do you guys look for when, when you're doing those shooting drills? What are you guys lining up for for your guys uh, to, to help them put the ball in the basket better?
1: Well, uh, like I said before, my philosophy is high school basketball is layups and free throws. Mm-hmm. Make your layups. Make your free throws. Don't let the other team have layups. Don't let them have a lot of free throws. Um, but I've also, <laughs> you know, if you don't change. This is big for coaches, I think. As times change, you've got to change. Otherwise, you're going to go extinct.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And Absolutely. part of my part part of my metamorphosis with you know modern basketball is we've incorporated the three a lot more than I did years ago. So now we say it's not just layups and free throws, but it's also threes in the equation to offensive success. So we spend a lot of time uh, shooting. Obviously, shooting layups. Our, our practice is layups, free throws, and threes. So, as far as shooting goes. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Um. So you, you say you know you talked about uh, you're you're a defense first guy, uh, and you know you're you're that's a big part of your philosophy. Uh, what's what do you guys emphasize defensively? Uh, how do you teach defense? We'll start with with individual. Uh, defense and then uh, we'll go out into the to the team defensive round. you know what are your, what are your emphasis there on that side of the ball? Well, we
1: want you to be able to control the ball handler and especially not let him come into the middle of the defense. Any time well, if you look at the uh, uh, dribble motion offense that just about everybody's running now is to get to the inside, pitch a ball the outside, and either shoot a three or attack and pitch the ball to, to somebody else. So our emphasis is, you know, is that you not allow metal penetration, but, that we force the ball to the baseline. And, uh, you know, I don't think, you know, it's not so much what you do, it's how you do what you do. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can do something that's totally off the wall, but if you do it really well, it's probably going to work. If you do something that, you know, that you don't do well, it's probably going to be crap. I mean, that's just <laughs> how it is.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, what are some, uh, What are some, if you could share maybe, uh, you know, two, three, uh, two or three basic drills that you guys do, either for individuals or for team defense, to, to help implement that into your program?
1: Well, we do shell drill, which I've heard, Coach, hawk's a waste of time.
2: <laughs> no. It, it, it's not a waste of time. It, it's really, I mean, it
1: depends on your philosophy. We like to force baseline. We, we think, especially now, if I coach college, I wouldn't have that philosophy, but high school, I think when, you know, kids get a chance to push the ball and you give them an opportunity to go to the baseline, I think they will do it. And that's what we're counting on anyway. But um, I don't know. I just, a lot of ways to slice a loaf of bread. You know, I always use the analogy. It's kind of like an underwear. And there's fruit Alone, hangs. Everybody has their own opinion. Yeah about what they like. I know what I like. I know what works for me. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for somebody else. I mean, it comes back to that thing, Marty, about coaching to your personality. And we, we want to make things happen on defense. We we don't want to be reactive. We want to be proactive, you know. If you take the ball to the baseline, we're, we're probably going to double-ten you. Mm-hmm. If you get it on the sideline on the Euro screen, we're probably going to double-team. You know, there's some guys, Hunter and Chucky and guys like that, you got, you got to watch when you double-team because, you know, they're such good players that they they can make you pay for it. But, uh, I mean, it's just a matter of what you... fits into your personality. And, and I think mine is on defense is to be proactive and not reactive make the
2: offense make decisions of what they're going to do uh-huh.
0: although that state champion
1: or state semifinal game we gave up 80 points so i don't know if i would be talking about defense or
0: not well i, I think in in one of your state championship games you only gave up 33 or something like that to maybe prep or something um ah. so I, I i think you've I, I, I think over the years, the, the numbers even out that I think I know, you, you, I think uh, everybody recognizes you know what you're talking about there, Coach. So
1: Well, I hope so. That 29 in the third quarter to nowhere north. Though, that, <laughs> <laughs> that's about as bad as you can play deep. So I don't know if I ought to be talking about it or
0: not. Well, um, I, I, I think it's just fine. I think it's just fine. Um, one last thing here. Um, sure. You're... you're uh, You know, give us a little bit of your philosophy. Uh, You know, you you talked about how, uh, again, before we got on the phone, you know, you kind of thought X's and O's were, you know, kind of the most overrated thing, that there's all these other things that you need to take care of before um, your X's and O's. Uh, But if you were to pick out uh, one or two things that uh, a coach needs to really focus on when it comes to his X's and O's philosophy – uh, what would be your priorities there?
1: Well, I mean, <laughs> y- you know, it is like I said. Is it? I think that X's and O's are highly overrated. I mean, we'll run a set if we're struggling. If we need a hoop, then we'll go to a, a, a good shooter, getting him a good spot with good offensive rebounding. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, we don't come down and run a, a lot of sets. When you're spinning your wheels, though, you better, you better have a plan. You better have some organization, you know, to, to get the troops back on board. But uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's kind of tough now because a, a lot of teams now, especially playing us, are playing a lot of mixed defense where, you know, it's junk.
2: Mm-hmm. And that's always tough
1: I mean, I mean do you run your man stuff against a box someone are you going to try to get the ball to your guy that's being boxed or are you going to make him a screener I mean there's just so, so much that goes into all that you just got to be ready in mm-hmm. and, and our league the Metro League if you're not ready I don't care who you play you're going to get your buddy mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's, that's just how it is I mean we got beat second game of the year by North and and turned around and beat them by 30 some the next time we played them but we weren't ready to play they were ready to play they had a good game plan we didn't so much and you know we paid for it and so the X's and O's thing I mean I got tons of great out of bounds plays (laughs) baseline out of bounds you know but you you run it once, and our coaches are so smart in our league that you know, shoot, they know you play before your
2: guys do.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I've I've been guilty of of that, you know, um, calling out uh, the other guys' plays before they even run it based on the formation. So right, you know, but but that's so different. I mean, we just even in the last five years with with the huddle and 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 all that. I mean, you know you know, when, when you're winning your state, your first state championship, you, you might be trading a VHS tape. Um, that's if you're, right. if, if you're right. lucky, if you're lucky, but any scouting you're probably doing, it's, it's live and you're writing it down as the game's going on. And, and I, and I think that's maybe been, uh, don't you think that's, you know, just the scouting and the way teams can prepare for other teams is maybe been the biggest, uh, game adjustment that coaches have had to make over the last five years. Um, Agree? Disagree?
1: No, I don't disagree. I think that's true. There's a lot of smart young coaches that prepare really well. But my philosophy is, I don't know, it's a little bit different, a little bit off the wall, but I don't want to do
0: what you let us do. I want to do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, does that
1: make sense? Oh yeah. Is is I don't want you to force me to do.
2: I want to do what I think we need to do. What I want to do. Mm-hmm.
1: And that's always been my philosophy. I mean, you know. And so as far as you know, preparing for teams. I mean, we'll if it, somebody's got something a little odd or you know, we'll scout it out, and warn our kids and stuff. But heck, we got all we can do to do what we do yeah not worry about so much what the other team's gonna do, and if you stay solid if you're solid what you do, you should be able to take
0: care of just about anything anybody throws at you. that's our belonging mm-hmm. yeah you're you're instead of panicking when something comes up, your kids know what to do and they're playing with poise
1: right right well, like for example, when my son played in Nebraska. He would say that Danny and he would spend 30 minutes of uh, pre-Kansas practice worrying about their run and jump stuff, their their double team. It's a fist. Ball comes over half court, they double team the ball. He said, we'd spend a half hour, a couple of nights worrying about that. Well, I go to Roy Williams' clinic down there, and he talks about, well, we do that We'll run our our scramble; they call it a scramble, <laughs> just just a couple times a game, so people have to work on it. So, I mean, you know, it was perfect.
0: I mean, he was accomplishing exactly what he wanted. People wasting time on practice, worrying about something that's only going to happen three or four times in a game. Yeah, and and that's the vicious that's the vicious uh, cycle you kind of find yourself in sometimes, and and it takes it takes a lot of mental toughness. Uh, as a coach to say, you know, I'm going to focus on us. I'm going to focus on what we need to do. Uh, again, it's kind of that, uh, it's kind of the buffet versus the simple menu. You know, we need to stick to the simple menu instead of worrying about all these things on the buffet and trying to have a little bit of a bite of everything, you know, let's just do what we do. And I, and I think that's something that, that I can do a better job in here this next year coming back into it is just, uh, Let's focus on us. let's focus on us we're going to you know if there's something we need to talk about, we'll go through it and we'll wrap it but overall let's let's focus on our team and i and I right. think that's really important
1: right and the buffet versus the simple menu, I want the simple menu to be gourmet <laughs> and you go ahead and eat off of that buffet and we're gonna eat the gourmet and that's that's kind of where we're at i mean that's that's how we do things and I mean, like I said, coaches got to coach to their personality. What I've always done, well, here's something, I've always listened to the older coaches and taken a lot away from them.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Instead of, you know, all these old farts don't know what they're talking about. I've listened to them and I've learned and and it's kept me from making mistakes that maybe I would have had to learn the hard way.
2: Mm -hmm. but take a little bit from from
1: everybody and make it yours. That, that that's how you got to do it. I mean, I learn every day. Mm-hmm. I'm still learning. Yep. Because when you're through learning, you're through. Yep. You you need to quit coaching when you're through learning. Yeah. Because
2: you're you're going to be outdated. You're going to be a fossil. Yeah. And I learn
1: every day. There's there's things from young coaches that I learn, and there's things from you know experienced coaches. I have guys that run out of bounds play or run a set but i go watch it on tape i go shoot we need to we're keeping this PT. We, we we need to use that i mean
2: it's
1: good it's really good yeah like i said when you're through learning you're through
0: you know that's that's funny that you said that um Next weekend, you know, again, everything's so fluid with the COVID19 and everything. but my, my, son, my, my son is coming with me with this uh, with this OSA team that we're coaching and, and it's gonna be a two or three night road trip and you know there'll probably be some socialization during the evenings and stuff. And, and I told him I said the, the best thing you can do as somebody who wants to get into coaching is you go, you hang out with these with these experienced coaches. And you don't say a word. You just sit, sit there with listen. your sit there with your mouth shut, and you listen, and you and you take good mental notes. And that's the that's the best experience you can have, and that's the best learning experience you can have to help you become a coach.
1: Right, and, and coach to your personality. What can you have? Yeah. Like I said, Tom Davis, I love watching his teams, but I couldn't coach that way. Well. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, Joe Cipriano at Nebraska. When he was Cipriano was at Nebraska. I mean, I couldn't coach that way either. I mean, it was like the old joke was uh, he come on a statue down in Kansas City. He turned to the statue and said, "Hey, slow it down, slow it down." (laughs) I mean, mean, that's you just got to coach to your personality. I mean, that's that's where it's at. Find out what you're about, and that's how you coach.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You you brought up Tom Davis a couple of times as a as a teenager. Uh, one of the toughest losses in the history of of the state of Iowa was Tom Davis Tom Davis's first year when they were in that Elite Eight game against UNLV, and they were up oh, tw- at halftime. I and, remember. <laughs> oh, I was just. I I think I was about. I was probably twelve or thirteen at the time. And, oh my! I was so heartbroken because that was such a joyride of a season, and and oh, you thought God, they were right. going to the final four, and and oh UNLV couldn't miss, and Iowa got tight, yeah. and, and I uh, think it, was a, it Wasn't it nineteen at halftime? I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It, it was big, whatever. Yeah, and I and yeah. I re, I remember, you know, Tarkanian saying after the game he goes the first half we tried to do all this fancy stuff we were going to switch all the screens on their flex and all this other stuff and and we just told him at halftime just just go play just just go play you know and let's get back to being us and you're kind of getting back to out, out, out athletic I and mean, that's yeah. exactly what they did yeah well, you, know, you know that uh, budget Tom
2: Davis had that was George Raveling's recruits yep you know
1: the uh Greg Stokes and, and the B- other kid from Galesburg, Illinois. I can't remember his name right now.
0: Uh, well, Roy Marble was on that team. Roy and Marble, BJ Armstrong, yeah, BJ
1: Armstrong,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. So
1: yeah, that was that was good. That was a lot of Raveling kids that he recruited. Davis knew
2: what to do with them when he got them. But yeah, you're right. That was that was heartbreaking. I remember.
0: yeah wow. Yeah. We, I remember going back to school the next day because I think they played it on a Sunday, and me and my friends. I mean, you just not not a lot was done at Sheldon Community uh, Middle School, uh, whatever March blank of of 1987, because we were we were pretty well stunned, and and that was pre you know big time NBA stuff and all that you know. Uh, that that's where the whole heart and soul was like a, like a lot of kids growing up in Nebraska with uh, you know Nebraska football. Um, right. You know the, the the passion for Iowa basketball during the '80s was was a real real big thing for, oh, for that us was back fun
1: then. To watch that was a, well, I'm an Iowa guy, so I yeah. mean you know oh, yeah. that's that's uh,
0: so. Did you graduate from Iowa? I I was I I I grew up in Sheldon, Iowa, and then uh, graduated from Briarcliff in '97. So okay, so, so you didn't do I
1: thought maybe you did uh, studies at
0: Iowa after you graduated. So, no, but, no, yeah, I, that was uh, they were fun. Like I said,
1: Davis's teams were fun to watch, but drove me
0: crazy
1: <laughs> the layups and.
0: But he was one of the yeah. first first innovators of the three point line. Though he let his team shoot a lot more threes than than most teams did during that time. Everybody was still, not everybody, but a lot of people. Him and I, I think Tom Davis is kind of a little bit underrated in his influence on the game with the the one two one one and let his kids shoot the three and kind of the liberal substituting. I mean, he he you know he was a, a obviously a doctor, uh, and, and so. He had a curious mind, and I think he kind of had some different basketball philosophies that, a, you know, a lot of people didn't really have at that time period. That now people kind of
2: look at. He was ahead of
1: the curve. You're yeah. right. I followed him when he was at BC Austin
2: College. I mm-hmm. mean, so I kind of uh, had followed him all the way through his career. And yeah, I think he was ahead of the curve. I think you're right. Yeah. I mean,
1: he he incorporated the three before most coaches. I mean, I'm guilty of that. It took me a while to, but, but my realization was, hey, you know, dude, you need to either change and go with the changing times or you need to get out. That's That was kind of the
0: realization for me. You know, times change, you better change. Absolutely. Yeah, and the great ones adapt, as they say, and Coach, you've done an outstanding job with that. To no extent,
2: that's the name of the
0: game, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Bruce Chubbick from Omaha South High School. Coach, this has been a privilege and an honor. I've really enjoyed our time here together. I hope you've enjoyed it as well. It's been fun. It's always fun to talk, talk hoops. I mean, I, I know I'm full of crap, but you know. <laughs> far from it. Far from it. There's been a lot of really good things that you shared here today that I know our, our listeners will, will really enjoy. But uh, uh, good luck uh, as we move forward here. Uh, hopefully we all have a season two coach this year um uh, right, you know exactly, with, Marty. with with the health situation so right um you know and and looking forward to uh meeting up with you here at at, at some point in our metro functions and and uh just want to thank you for your time here today really appreciate it so Thanks, Marty. All right. I'm going Look to. Forward to person. Absolutely. I'm going to rattle off a couple things here, real quick. If you could hold the line, and and then, uh, you know, we'll, we'll kind of go with it from there. So, but uh, again, okay. Bruce Chubbick from Omaha South High School, want to thank him for his time today. Uh, again, we want to thank our sponsor, COSAC Chiropractic. If you have any chiropractic services that you're in need of, don't hesitate to give Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi a call at 402 964 300. Follow us on Twitter, A Pen and a Napkin. Uh, download, rate, and review the pod. If uh, you're listening on SoundCloud or iTunes, forward it out to your uh, to your friends, to your like-minded individuals. Again, we just want to help coaches. And, of course, if you have questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email us at a, pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Uh, it has been a privilege and an honor to have Bruce Chevik here on today's podcast. Coaches, as always, let's pray for peace, let's stay safe, and let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.